We all saw Lady Gaga sing the national anthem at President Biden's inauguration. But now the Marine that was with her is telling us what happened just before that. I'll share it with you coming up next. The Daily Detour. Headlines and entertainment on your schedule. Featuring music by our house band, Quickie. And now, your host, Dan Roberts. Daily Detour, weekly detour, detour of some sort, coming at you right now. Uh, Yeah, on a little different schedule, which you may have noticed. Told you about it on the 27th, but if you missed that episode, you're like, where the hell is this guy? Well, he's looking for work. And I've got that down. Man, I have got looking down. Very good at looking. It's the finding. It's the finding that's the problem right now. Actually, things are looking up. There do seem to be some radio jobs popping up. The bad news is they're all in different parts of the country. So I may have to uproot myself and my wife, uh, which is, you know, maybe not ideal. uh, But we will see what happens. So for the time being, going to go to a weekly schedule, which will mean a longer podcast today. You can binge it all at once. You can spread it out for your jogs every day, every morning your commutes, and then at some point, uh, I hope to be employed and giving you daily podcasts once again. Today, we'll sit down with comedian Philip Kobzinski, very funny guy from right here in Spokane, but tours all over the place. Should probably warn you that there will be explicit language during this podcast, potentially offensive subject matter, and I don't know, other stuff that you probably came for. Why am I warning you? We'll start with that good news story. Marine Captain Evan Campbell, the guy who escorted Lady Gaga, down the stairs and to her microphone to sing the national anthem during President Biden's inauguration, is now telling his story about how he arrived at that moment. Uh, He was apparently he was sitting a lot of the A-listers at the event, uh, but he says there was a concern because Lady Gaga was wearing this, you know, very beautiful, very large dress. And so people were worried she might need some help getting down the stairs. If you're like me, you probably saw that dress and those stairs Uh, And even with the Marine standing next to her, you're like, oh, gosh, I hope, you know, you're kind of like almost expecting a stumble and then he'd save her. But that didn't happen. They both they made out well. But that was the concern. They didn't want uh, her to to fall down the stairs, tripping over her own dress. So he was happy to assist. Captain Campbell says he didn't actually tell anyone that he would be escorting Gaga before it actually happened. I mean, he had plenty of time to, uh, you know, DM his friends or whatever. But he wanted to make sure that he didn't screw it up before he bragged about it, before he began hyping it. And Captain Campbell also revealing what Lady Gaga said to him before the big moment, saying she looked up at me and she's like, a fair warning, we have an equal chance of tripping on this dress. Campbell says Gaga was incredibly genuine, telling him that this day was the most important day of her life. Singing the Star Spangled Banner in front of the incoming president, former presidents right there in your eyeline, I think we all know it's a pretty big deal. Uh, And Captain Campbell says, as a service member, the way she prepped to sing the national anthem resonated with him very deeply as someone that sworn an oath to defend their country. And he says the biggest thing for him was when the memes came out, showing the two of them together uh, with the caption like, find someone that looks at you the way Lady Gaga looks at the United States Marines. He says he took a lot of pride in that. He did his fellow servicemen proud. And now you know the rest of the story. And now we go to headline news. Headlines and punchlines. Super Bowl LV is in the books. 
Super Bowl, the most popular sporting event of the year because Americans love their Roman numerals. Yes, we do. They are. They really have committed to that, haven't they? You would think at some point they'd be like, you know, maybe we should just start. Uh, I mean, it's starting to get weird. You know, the first 10, 20, we're cool with that. But how long are we going to keep this Roman numeral thing up? I don't know. Personally, I don't mind because I can count to 55 using only Roman numerals and, uh, you know, my fingers and toes and everything. But no, if I was completely honest, every Super Bowl, I have to Google what the hell the Roman numeral means this year, which is as much about the problems of using Roman numerals as it is about my short term memory. (laughs) But there you go. Uh, It was a a blowout, really. 31 to 9. Tom Brady's team kicking the butt of uh, young superstar Patrick Mahomes. Buccaneers over the Chiefs. And I know I uh, made fun of Tom Brady recently on an episode of the Daily Detour because it's like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady again. He's so good. Here he is again, just like last year. But in this case, I'm kind of okay with it because, you know, there were lots of, there's a lot of rumors out there that uh, he didn't really get along so well, at least towards the end with his coach, Bill Belichick. And uh, almost like there's a parallel universe out there where Tom Brady is the hot girl with kind of a shitty boyfriend. Oh, there's the language I warned you about. You know the guy that, you know, insults the girl, brings down her self-esteem so that she feels lucky that that he would actually take her? That's kind of the relationship I hear between the two of them. And so to see Tom Brady, you know, leave that, go to another team, and prove that he can get any team, basically. They were not a good team. (laughs) He could get any team to the Super Bowl. Didn't need Belichick's help to do it. That's a good story. So the story for me is that. And then there's also the uh, the whole age difference thing between uh, Tom's the oldest quarterback ever to be in a Super Bowl or in the league, I think. Uh, and then you got the young guy, Mahomes. And so some people were drawn to that story. But for me, it's like, you don't want me anymore or I don't want to be here. And you're yelling at me as I take my bag out the door that I'll never amount to anything without you. Uh, it, it's, it's a good story to see him not only make it to the Super Bowl, uh, but to win the whole deal. But now you can retire, Tom. <laughs> why, why? I don't think he's going to, though. I think, unfortunately, I think that he will play until it becomes obvious to him that he can't play any longer. Which, to me, better to go out on top. Why fade away? Pull a Seinfeld. How many more rings do you need? But I don't think he's that guy. And that's fine. Maybe he thinks about it differently. Maybe he doesn't care if he fades away. He just wants to know in his heart that he didn't let one go. 22,000 fans uh, at the event. I think maybe more than that. 22,000 people and maybe uh, an additional few thousand of healthcare workers. I can't remember what the final tally was on attendance. And then all the other seats were filled up with cardboard cutouts of fans uh, that still gained about five pounds by the end of the game, thanks to beer and hot wings. In other news, former President Donald J. Trump's impeachment hearing finds most Americans thinking he should be convicted and barred from ever holding office again. Uh, But the real crime might be that most Americans also prefer to drink Bud Light and eat Chick-fil-A, according to a separate study. Headlines and punchlines, people. Headlines and punchlines. Uh, They say if you don't vote, you've heard this before, if you don't vote, you can't complain. But apparently you can riot. It turns out that some of the people attacking the Capitol building over election results didn't even vote, putting the dumb in freedom. I would call this the ultimate example of entitlement, but... That's not the ultimate example. The ultimate example of entitlement is this woman, a Capitol building rioter, uh, being indicted on five felony charges who asked 
to be allowed to travel to Mexico for a trip she's already paid for and I'm really looking forward to it, okay? And you think, well, that's just naive and stupid to request that of a judge, except he's letting her go. And that sounds about white. I love this. Uh, one of my old coworkers on Twitter had this to say. So if you storm the Capitol, you can go to Mexico. But if I stayed in my house since March of last year, I can't even go to Applebee's? Exactly. Shout out to Sean Garrett for that, Jim. So yeah, the judge allowing uh, this far-right extremist to leave the country for a work-related bonding experience. And what better way to bond than practicing trust exercises on the beach with a coworker who betrayed her own government and believes in public hangings? Just let yourself drop and I'll catch you. If I don't, the noose will. Trust me. Finally, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos has announced his retirement after almost single-handedly destroying retail stores all over the planet. I guess he's thinking, my work here is done. And I love Amazon. I don't mean to imply that Jeff Bezos is a bad guy. You know, he's not some billionaire James Bond villain, anything like that. I'm just saying that like a James Bond villain, Bezos is investing in his own media empire, has his own privatized space program, and he's building a lair behind a giant clock in the side of a desert mountain where I guess he's plotting his next move while petting a hairless cat. That's not true. That's that's bullshit. I mean, the cat thing. Everything else is absolutely, positively true. You can Google it. And on that note, it is time to turn our cameras to Hollyweird. Actor Army Hammer was reportedly dropped by his agency and publicist due to his texting scandal that involves an alleged affinity for cannibalism. He likes to eat people, or at least talk about it. Ironically, the cancel culture now eating Army Hammer. Jennifer Lawrence is recovering after being injured on the set of her upcoming movie, Don't Look Up. The injury occurred after she looked up. True story. And this is wild. You can look this up on YouTube. Uh, Suzanne Summers was doing a makeup tutorial live stream when an intruder barged into her house while she's sitting there doing the live stream, talking to fans. Some guy barges into her house. But everything's okay. It turned out to be her horny neighbor, Larry, from Three's Company, who forgot what decade it was. No, it was a complete stranger, actually. And Suzanne Summers handled it amazingly well. She didn't yell. She didn't scream. She just calmly turned to the man and beat him with her thigh master. Not buying it. It's a good reference, though. She actually, she just calmly talked to him, asked him who he was. He readily gave her his name, which means everyone watching and listening got the name. In case things went south, they knew who to look for. And uh, she just casually told him, you know, you seem like a nice person, but you need to leave. This is my home. And eventually he did leave. The explanation he gave when she asked, what are you doing in my house? He said he was chased there by ghosts. Chased to her house by, he was running from ghosts. Suzanne Summers lives in Palm Springs, so more likely it was, you know, just an elderly couple with thin, translucent skin. Anyway, that's enough Holly Weird talk for this week. Let's chat with actor... Author, comedian, Philip Kopzinski. Hey, what's going on, Dan? Phil Kopp, as uh, some people call you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I go by that occasionally when I don't have the patience to spell my last name phonetically. <laughs> it is kind of difficult. I feel like everybody's name uh, is, like, I can get it usually. And I thought I had yours. But inevitably, I'm either dropping the C or uh, the Z. 
when I um, and then I feel like an idiot because I'm like it's not that like I know he gets this all the time from people, but it really it shouldn't be that hard for us, you know. Um, hey man, I mean I'm I've had the name for forty years and it's it's never gotten easier, uh, and I can I can always tell like how small a town yeah. a person's from when they're like. They're like, how do you spell it? What, what, what's your name? I'm like, Kopsinski. And then I spell it and they're like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah. <laughs> so the other day I was given uh, Amanda's, uh, I, was, I was signing something and Amanda had to sign it. And she, he's like, oh, did your wife used to have the name Smith? Oh, poor girl. You know, and I was like, no, if she I don't had, know, man. <laughs> if she had the name Smith, trust me, she was thrilled to get the name Kopsinski. Yeah, well, it, who wants to be people, the ten billionth Smith? And I say this with all the love in the world. My wife was a Smith before she married me. As common as my name is, Roberts was better than Smith, or less common than Smith, I should say. Yeah, I mean, people or better could be better. <laughs> was that for her or for me? <laughs> that was for whoever might be joining us at some point. Yeah, man. Uh, my, I don't know. I, I I kept my full last like rather than try to use like a showbiz name. Because I I wanted I thought maybe people would see it and be like oh maybe this dude's ethnic like yeah. it'll make him special. <laughs> I so regret not having a stage name. I was talked out of a stage name early in my career, and I really want to be. It, and my wife put her foot down, but I'm like I want to be Dan Halen like that. I think that's hilarious. Like if I like my if my next gig is at a rock station, I am I got to go with Dan Halen. That's hilarious. I, I don't know. I think if you're gonna do that, you got to go like '90s. <laughs> Hey, what's up? It's Dan Halen here coming at you, rocking with my socks off right now. I got static electricity flowing through me. All right, guys, who's our next talker? It's Phil Kapsinski. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of those guys left in the industry. I've uh, mainly the markets I work. <laughs> I don't think they're in big cities anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, and this is going to get me in trouble since I am actively looking for gigs out there. But like some, I you know I won't name anybody, but there are, they're just some cheesy. I mean, Dan Halen to me is much better than some of the other show names that I've seen out there. Oh yeah. They're just, you know. Yeah. Radio, I, I radio's berserk. E even now, I mean, like the, uh, I mean the huge, there's a big guy, I think it's out of the LA market. Dan, like Charlemagne, the God or whatever. Like, I'm like, dude, come on. Like, well, <laughs> did you even. And that's a whole other thing. I'm not even thinking of that, but it's just like tree cutter and buzzsaw in the yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, did you decide on that mac before? And cheese. It's mac and cheese in the morning. No, Man, I would. I would love to be one of those executives just walking into the room like, uh, "Hey, hey, gravy train, hey weasel." Uh, <laughs> that's it. The, and then, the, and then, what, and then you the put that in your resume. Good. Then you have to yeah, put that right. on your resume. Well, I worked for five years with uh, what did you say? <laughs> Gravy train Gravy and the weasel. And the weasel. <laughs> <laughs> Took them to number one. I don't know. It's just weird to me. But anyway, yeah, um, everybody did... associated with that show's got to put that on their resume. I was the sound producer for Gravy Train and the Weasel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remember them? <laughs> uh, I've, I have follow-up questions from the last time I talked to you, but first I want to give people a taste of your comedy, Phil. So we got permission from Drybar to uh, share the following clip based on your experience as a father and uh, a Cub Scout father. So here we go. My, uh, <laughs> my youngest son just went from Cub Scout to Boy Scout. That's a big deal because that means no more Pinewood Derby. <laughs> You guys know. 
No, those dads are liars, man. Those They show up with like a scale model replica of a 57 Chevy. They're like, man, my son carved that. You know? <laughs> your son carved that. And when you say your son, you mean that seven-year-old with his pants on backwards? <laughs> that kid, the one with the zipper on his butt crack, wide open. His underwear's hanging out like a horse's diaper. That kid carved that? <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. When he was doing the detailed pinstriping, did he uh, uncross his eyes? It would make me so mad because my son did it himself every year. So he shows up with like an untouched block of wood on wheels. His name's misspelled on the side. He's got a Kit Kat board just glued to the top of the thing. But he's proud, you know, because he built it. And he knows no matter what, win or lose, we're going to sit down as father and son after that race. And we are going to eat the roof of that car together. It's good stuff, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I miss did... Skinny Phil. <laughs> <laughs> how did Drybar, uh, how did that come about? Uh, yeah, so I was trying to chase a credit because you kind of, it's you know, being a comic is sort of like being a uh college professor it's like you know, got to publish or perish i mean if you're not if you don't have some kind of credit you're never you're not going to headline or anything and uh so i was doing a lot of uh i was going down to la trying to do like festivals or spots and just trying to understand the market down there and meet with uh, i was doing other like contests trying to meet people like industry people that might so I might get like on a conan or a tonight show and that just seemed it seemed overwhelming. Like you, you had to definitely know the right person. I mean, it was less about your comedy because there's a lot of people with a good five to seven minutes. It's more about the, the your ability to network, you know. And uh, Drybar, you know, fell into my wheelhouse with the people that I was just fellow comics who I, I knew when Drybar's first year they pulled probably I want to say three comics that I knew personally, and then. Oh, that's not me. <laughs> that's my and ring then, doorbell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, they just, I knew a lot of people who had done dry bar. And uh, so I was able to work in there. And also I can, uh, you, you got to be like squeaky clean to do right. dry bar for them. Yeah. And also this is kind of an interesting thing in uh, Spokane. There's a comic um, that uh, used to own a comedy club with two other comics. This is like in the eighties. He actually, he was a radio DJ down in LA and uh and anyway one of the people who he used to own the club with uh is the booker for dry bar oh, so wow. yeah so it's like you know there is kind of a like who you know type of thing so sure. yeah but that's it still took like a was year and a the, half was that the comedy <clears throat> underground uh, uncle d's comedy underground so don parkins owned that and his good friend nick uh tyson was is, was like there all the time i mean he was literally like every weekend you go there if nick didn't have a gig he's there doing a guest spot or whatever and uh so nick used to own a club with uh with with the uh, keith the guy that that uh owns wise guys comedy clubs now in in utah and then he's also the booker for dry bar so i wound up meeting keith and uh his kids are in boy scouts so that <laughs> helps a lot you know i mean dude it's it and and it, you know it's it's funny because you people want to break it down to like schmoozing and networking, but really it is about having a connection and building yeah. relationships with people. Yeah. Um, and that's, and it's not about waiting to be discovered as so uh, many things in yeah, life that, are not, you gotta like, no. you gotta hustle. Yeah. yeah. When people are like, Oh, this guy just came about. It's like, do you, are you going to dismiss the 15 years of, <laughs> of, of doing, of, uh, you know, killing on the road, like with no one hearing about you. So you have to be squeaky clean. 
for dry bar yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and yet i saw you uh perform with stormy daniels and you were actually (laughs) dirtier than her i would say so which do you which do you prefer clean comedy Uh, or i yeah i you know it's funny you say that because i mean i did i i was on the road a lot before doing dry bar just trying to really kind of i had to change a lot of things and just hone it in and uh, when i finally did it i showed amanda my wife and she was like eh you're funnier when you swear (laughs) because because like i mean that is just who i am you know that's just that's my that's my natural persona um i mean i don't mind working clean or doing doing corporate gigs uh where you have to be clean but it is definitely not the brand that i want to um like put forward like uh, right. on all it's my not, shows yeah i might see you and you're not going to be cussing up a storm maybe that particular night but you're not like branding yourself as you know squeaky clean comedy no not at all no in I fact do, i, I do don't kids parties and <laughs> i mean i don't it's not that i swear a lot it's just that i just talk about things that people get really are like I whoa even, i don't that's a conversation <laughs> i had with uh andrew rivers who i'm positive that that you know but uh oh yeah yeah you know, I never considered. I lo- I'm a very dark. My humor, like, which is great on a podcast. Not, I mean, you got to dial it back on the radio. You know, sometimes for sure, for sure. But uh, I, I never considered that as something that, like, like a dry bar might consider that. That's also taboo. That might. I don't consider it dirty. You know, but it almost is. He said he had to clean up some of his darker jokes. It wasn't that they were about sex or they included cussing, but they included topics that that were you know, not for that audience, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you really don't want to even like for dry bar, you don't want to joke about like, I mean, like infidelity. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't want to take on like but weird it's in the Bible, Philip, there's, <laughs> there's infidelity in there. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want to bring up <laughs> also murder and other things. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, you can talk about murder. I mean, no one, no one cares about, you know, whenever someone's turning off the TV yeah. for their kids, it's never like, Oh, this is too violent. This X-Men show is too violent. It's always like, there's a bath a nipple. Don't let the kids see half a nipple. You know, and it's like, dude, come on. <laughs> it's true. That's an American thing. I lived in uh, Britain for like three, I don't know, six months maybe. And at one point I watched uh, like a diehard type movie in the movie theater. And I'm and after consuming their media and consuming the television, I was just like, this is so violent. <laughs> like, I don't, you don't realize how desensitized you get to it. It's true. I, and I don't, I'm not one of those guys that blames the, the video games or the media on the violence. In re, you know, like, I think we have an appetite for it. But sometimes I do feel... Like I've really gotten into crime shows again, like the last couple of years, and I realize <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Se- how many murders am I seeing every night before I go to bed? <laughs> oh, and, and they're never it's never a painting or something for once. It's never to, normal too. It's to like yeah. yeah, it's like their entire brain cavity was filled with semen and blood. You're like, how <laughs> did that happen? Are we gonna? And he, I mean, it's just like the ocular cavity was. Yeah completely torn apart it's just like then they, and then they'll say something like looks like somebody didn't pass their eye exam you know like some, so it's, yeah. it's funny it's morbid and funny and like i don't know it's weird it is a weird thing we watch bones we've been watching bones which uh i never caught back in the day it's like a fox cop show now i and know the show yeah. they are pushing like the, the over the years over the seasons the deaths and the the autopsies become more and more gruesome. Just what you're talking about, like there'll be sludge coming out of someone's <laughs> eye socket, and it's like, well, you're just trying to punch my buttons now. Like you're just right, doing right. this to see if I can continue watching. Yeah, 
and we yeah, love man. It. They, well, they got it. They got it. It's the, their jump the shark moment is like, okay, what what orifice has not been filled with semen and fecal matter? Like yeah. that's that's basically their yeah. their uh, jumping the shark. It is nutty. Uh, and what I'm kind of serial killers should... are they trying to recreate on those shows? <laughs> okay, yeah. like doesn't someone just ever just shoot someone? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Actually, I love Bones because it is so gruesome and it is also very funny. And it's also got heart, Phil. It's got a lot of heart. <laughs> uh, always ends with a warm fuzzy after putting you through that. But I do because it reminds me, of, like I used to love horror movies growing up. Yeah. And like their special effects team is top notch on, but like I actually love seeing what they come up with. But I, it also makes me laugh at how disgusting it is. <laughs> you know? What I like is a lot of people watch those shows like the last thing they do. Like they're in their pajamas, oh. a lot of times laying in bed, and it's just like, like, oh, this is not, this is relaxing. This is how I'm gonna. <laughs> no, this is like my meditation before I yeah. fall asleep. My wife and I, and that's how they schedule them. But now we can stream <laughs> and program our own nights. So my wife and I, we always have what's called a palate cleanser. <laughs> you know, we got to watch a comedy or something warm and yeah, right, right. after all that. You can't just go to bed after, and you really can't go to bed after a cliffhanger show like it's gruesome and hasn't resolved anything oh i, I know I that's sleep that's kind of what i hate about like modern television watching because i'm like listen if i'm gonna like this show i gotta i gotta spend a whole week this is my weekend this is my whole weekend now i i've time with the kids done working out done like i'm just gonna sit here for eight hours and and watch uh you know half of the entire uh season of sopranos or something you know so I'm I'm going to backtrack because I'm so jealous that you lived somewhere else for six months. You got to live in the UK for six months. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, I was like twenty. Yeah, I was like yeah. So it was like I did. That's uh, how you do your twenties. Good for you. It was nice. Well, it was I was twenty. Turned. I think I turned twenty-one while I was over there. So that was really anticlimactic because as soon as i got there i'm like i can buy all the booze i want okay this is great yeah because they're 18 over there yeah. but they kind of don't is, care the beer is well, stronger oh yeah there. yeah for sure especially when you're 20 and you haven't yeah. spent a lifetime you can <laughs> pop open a miller or something over there and it's it first of all it tastes better for some reason and then it's stronger <laughs> well like, it's important I mean, yeah and i'm a craft <laughs> beer guy but honest to god man yeah, yeah they're another animal over there. They're normal beer, and I can't even think. Of, they had, I mean, there were so many brands of beer. Well, it's like it was like it's like craft beers now in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So after a while, I just like point and but they'd serve it like room temperature, which is you get used to that. But that's um, like if you want a cold beer, you just you got to order like a Guinness or get cans of beer and throw it in your own fridge or whatever. Uh, it's a whole different culture though. Like when I was I over there, well, they, I went to Ireland. I didn't go to to Britain, so I, I didn't experience the warm. Oh years. yeah, they serve it cold there. Yeah, it is. It is where they they uh their pub culture in the UK is like they when I was there they closed down at eleven. They no you would like two a.m. even on the weekends. It's you had to have it was like only like hardcore dance clubs that would stay, and they had to have their own special license. Yeah. So everything would close at 11 and I'm not kidding you. I was in a small town, probably smaller than Spokane. It was a uh, Norwich, uh, about three hours North of London. And at 1110, these people, uh, like, so 10 o'clock is last call. Guys are just boom, boom. I mean, they're just like, Oh, we got to get all this in. And at 1110, you have got piles of puke all over the place from people binge drinking for an hour to fit it all. It was a huge debate. I, They're like, let these drunks stay in the bar for a I little just longer. Learned, 
Do you know the old Men at Work song, Land Down Under? Mm, and it comes uh, from a land oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I know that song. Yeah, yeah. And it's got this line about, it's like, uh, I think it's women. I don't know what the women are doing. Women glow or something. And it says, and men chunder. I just yeah. found out that <laughs> chunder means throwing up everywhere, basically. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. The men chunder. That's a lyric to a song. They, they go out and they chunder. Yeah. So I saw a, uh, a stag party in the UK one time. There's like this this row where there were all these clubs and these guys uh, took their buddy. This is their friend who's going to get married like in two days. And they got him just hammered. And then they uh, they took him out into the median in the street, tied him to a pole like to where his hands are, are kind of handcuffed around and then his feet were handcuffed and then they take his pants off. They wrestle his pants off. So he is, but he's no pants, no pants or underwear, buck, <laughs> buck naked from the shirt down and all. And I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people are just watching him uh, while he's buck naked, drunk, he's fumbling with himself. And then like all these women were coming up to him and I'm like, Oh good. They're going to help this poor man. This is so messed up. And all they did was take his shoes off and then take, take pictures of themselves with him. And <laughs> That's it, see, that's wrong. It was pretty brutal. I was, I was like, these people are animals. <laughs> like, you know, you get this idea of like, oh, it's so sophisticated. Ooh, right. Downton Abbey. And I get over there, and they're like, these wankers. Are blah. I'm like, dude, these these are just these people are just maniacs, just like everyone else. Ireland was maybe calm. I don't know. I guess there is a difference. It's, they're not that far away, but Ireland was just full of really friendly. I found myself smiling and waving at strangers, and I'm and by that time. Before I got back to the States, which was only like a two or it was like almost three weeks there. But I'm like, people in the States are going to look at me like I'm a crazy person. You don't make <laughs> eye contact in Seattle, let alone smile and wave at yeah. strangers, you know. Did you go to Dublin? Went everywhere. We rented a car oh, that's and cool. drove around the island. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish I, I went there for a little bit, but I, I never really left Dublin. And I was like, man, this isn't green at all. What are they talking about? <laughs> Gray everywhere. No, it was, and it was oddly, it was sunny when we were there for most of the trip, which is not nor normally it would look like Seattle, like overcast constantly. Right. And yeah, no, it was a good time. Uh, tell me about, I'm going to just totally switch gears. Well, first of all, yeah. I got to know. So it's a COVID uh, era of comedy. And I know that last time we talked, you were going to do a show in the wild, wild west of, uh, of Idaho, is what you <laughs> called it, which was a comment. Yeah that got a, a, a texture all riled up at both of us for some reason, <laughs> just so you know, but which was, they're like, you guys stay in spoke, stay in Washington with your COVID. And I was like, I mean, we were locked down and they did have stuff. It wasn't like a completely inaccurate statement, but anyway, you were going to perform at some club called the, the honey. Social yeah. The honey social club. Yeah. How did they were, go? Uh, and what the hell is great. that? It went great. Uh, they actually, what was fun, I mean, this isn't funny maybe, but uh, so I don't know if you know this, like in, uh, Cor so Coeur d'Alene's wide open. I don't know if you've been over there. It's. Uh, I am a hermit. I live in, a dis <laughs> I actually, after this, I'm going to lock myself in a display case. <laughs> I just don't want out. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you cower when your doorbell went off. Like someone. <laughs> yeah. And then I just, I well, I thought it was an invasion or something. Then I remember just somebody <laughs> stealing a package off my porch. Yeah. So it's all good. <laughs> Anyway, so it went good. Uh, but court, if you haven't been to Coeur d'Alene, it is wild. I had a friend of mine from Seattle come open for me and he was like, it was like culture shock for him. I mean, he he was looking around like this is like time travel. I'm not used to this. I don't feel good because they're I mean, they're not like we're doing like we just in you know Washington. We just bumped up to like 25 percent capacity in certain counties. And that's kind of like a big deal. 
they some places aren't even doing like social distancing over there. So yeah. no masks, full capacity. It's 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 wild. It's it's. Uh, well, I was calling it. I was like, man, this is seductively irresponsible over here because you can just go over there <laughs> and just forget that, about coronavirus, what? forget about everything. <laughs> That's the name of uh, your next podcast. Subjectively <laughs> irresponsible with the day. That's Dude, awesome. It's, it, it, well, it was a ton of fun. But yeah, for about a week, I was like, I should probably isolate. <laughs> I was whatever it is, 10 days. Yeah. My buddy that came with me, I mean, he was so freaked out. He just went out and got a test because he's like, I have it. I know I have it. I know I have it. Uh, he it didn't. Is? He didn't. But oh, what's funny, the, the act that was going to be there the next week uh, lives in Idaho. Uh, he wound up getting COVID and they stopped doing comedy. So uh, he's fine. But well, that uh, is hilarious, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I, he wound up being fine. But I was I, I, there's no way. That I mean, there, I'm, that, as soon as I get I don't think I'll relax. I don't think my butt cheeks will open again until uh, I get the vaccine. And then I think I'm good. And you could still get it. But at that point. I don't know. At some point, I gotta, I gotta pull the bandage off and re-enter society. But until I get that vaccine, I think I'm, I'm sheltering. Yeah. Well, I, uh, scared, I've been hanging. Out. <laughs> well, so my friends that have been that, that were going over to Coeur d'Alene, uh, well, they all got it over the summer. Oh, so the fact that they got it though, and then they recovered, I'm like, well, you, I can hang out with you guys. So because you guys are safe, you, you got it and you recovered. So I'm like, right. I'm not going to catch it from you. You guys can't yeah. get it right. It's my th- <laughs> so I've been hanging out with them. And uh, one of them is like a 23 year old young comic yeah. who uh, he we were skiing together up at Schweitzer. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, coronavirus, nothing. And I'm brave. And even though I'm 40, I don't care. I'm out here. And then he ran into a bunch of his friends and I'm like slowly slinking away. Like, I don't know their medical history. I'm not as brave anymore. <laughs> yeah, they don't. That gets buried in the news every, you know, that we hear about COVID. But they do recommend that, uh, you know, slightly older people hang out with young 23 year olds on ski slopes, <laughs> drinking craft beers. Yeah. And, uh, oh, breathing, they were craft. Breathing their hot breath on each other. That's so I, so I performed. Yeah, I performed in Idaho, Montana, Oregon during coronavirus uh, to varying degrees of responsibility uh sometimes i've gone into situations have been like yo this is not safe i shouldn't be doing this uh washington just opened up to do small shows with like six people and that is by far the safest i have felt during the pandemic doing comedy and it's it's fun like what is that like to do to do stand-up for that few people which gets your butterflies in your stomach going more that or like a, a big crowd yeah, I don't know. I mean, the you know, the small small crowds to me sometimes can be harder because like it's just it's a different it's it's a different skill set. You know, late like you because yeah. you run into it a lot for like late shows on Saturday, especially because uh, a lot of times those people have been drinking since noon oh, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, not like yeah. Friday where they've been working and then they you, they've only there's a limit to how much they've what they've been doing. So late shows on Saturday, even late shows on Friday too, can get a little nuts. But it's usually smaller crowds. They're sometimes more fatigued, and uh, it's and when it's a small crowd, I would say the biggest difference is, as opposed to a big crowd, if someone heckles you, you can and you can kind of engage and and like I don't know, you can be a little harsher, you know. But like when you have six people, you, you don't want to walk one of them, you know. So if someone heckles you, you got to be like, "All right, let's just chat. Let's have a conversation." Right. There right. might be, yeah, it might it's, get. It's, it's almost like an in-person cameo or something. Yeah, it is. Point. Yeah, it's like it, it's like being at a party, and 
you're talking to two people and next thing you notice six people are listening to you and you're like, Oh, I'm kind of holding court right now. But don't yeah. mess this. I guess, I guess you go in knowing that you're a pro. I just I, like when I've had to like, I do much better with uh, like doing concert announcements, right. At like out of the casino or something. It's just, it's just, there's 2000 people there or whatever there, but it's like, you're just, they're just a wallpaper in front of me. You know, yeah. I'm not, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter like that. I like that's easier to me. And like, if I had to do it, like speak to six people, I think I would just shrivel up and die. I don't know. I might get, <laughs> maybe after it got the ball rolling, but like, I would be so uptight headed into that, I think. Yeah. You definitely like, uh, definitely doing an hour in front of six people can be a little daunting because especially because a lot of, th- but I will say these are different in the sense that, uh, so this is a kind of a boutique experience you're giving these people. So they're, they're renting the club. Yeah, they're like yeah for whatever it is, and so they're very invested. I mean, they're invested financially. This is like what they're doing with their time, and and right now, a lot of people they this might be the first thing they've been doing in like you know nine months or who whatever how long you know right. however long things have been shut down in Washington. So they, it's almost it's almost like uh, they're they, they're almost an easy audience because they're so grateful just to be doing something, you know. And, uh, and it's also usually people that are all friends. That's what, I mean, well, if, I mean, cause it's only, like people are going with their like bubble to do these, sh- to go to these shows. Cause I've done six of these in the past two weeks. And, uh, I thought they, I thought they were great, but it's like I, I've new material that I've been doing. I'm like, I don't know if this is good or bad. You know, these people could just be total maniacs and laughing at, you know, they're, cause if they're laughing at something I'm saying that's edgy or whatever, I'm like, I, that could just be you six people that are freaks. You know, I don't know if right, I say right. this, are you going to laugh if your boss is in the audience at what I just said, you know? So it's, uh, but well, I've, I've liked interesting doing thing, it. Though. I don't know if that discredits the joke though. I, that is an interesting thing though, because it really does like certain jokes perform better with certain audiences. So then how do you know what to cut out? You know, like, yeah, it's just repetition for, for me. It's just repetition. I mean, yeah. to really understand like what I would want to put on an album or like, I mean, that dry bar stuff, like dry bar, for an example, you know, all that stuff I'd probably been doing for a lot of it, like three years, just, just as in my set over and over and over again. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of times the first, um, you know, five minutes that people put out there somewhere is something they've, you know, done hundreds of times at, at different, you know, open mics and clubs and for their gigs and whatever. So it's uh i don't know man i mean it's it's definitely a grind but then you know every once in a while there is kind of the the feel of like i know this is gonna be good just <laughs> like i hit one out of the park like right away you know i yeah i look at stand-up as like there's classical uh, like classical music or jazz you know some people kind of you know finesse it note by note and then there's like jazz musicians who kind of like well this is the basic structure but it's going to be a little different every time you know right I mean, usually i feel like i'm doing better if i'm more like the classical like if i'm just i'm trying i'm change a couple words this time change a couple words that time and i just kind of whittle it into what i want you know i feel like it works better that way i mean i guess it depends on the personality right the, the oh yeah charisma, totally the timing whatever but i like a joke that's like you know this is funny because this is perfect, like Seinfeld. Like this, this has been. Yeah, crafted. Seinfeld's Seinfeld definitely perfect. a classic. Yeah, <laughs> classic rock music or classic. I mean, sometimes uh, I hear people say fun, like you know, they'll be. I'll watch a special and I'll hear them tell their stories, and it's funny and everything. But I feel like it could be funnier if it wasn't just. There's a lot of unnecessary words. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I prefer old school a little bit, I guess. But funny. Well, funny. It's, I, I mean, they're both. Care, but, they both have existed yeah. for a long time. You know, I mean. 
everyone I know, I mean, like a Dave Chappelle is very in the jazz category because I've heard that he'll tell the same joke, but it'll always kind of the energy will be different. And it's like he almost needs to have that uh, that sort of weaving like it's, there's an energy to saying something different every time, you know, sure. uh, yeah. and it maybe it, it loses that energy. But like Chris Rock, like his every single word, gesture, intonation is is like almost like a script. Uh, there, he he actually did a special where he cut it, and it was him in different gigs, and uh, but it was him like carrying along the joke, and the joke was happening seamlessly, even though it was cut with him performing it in different venues. Right. So the background uh, changed or whatever, but you can, the back his his outfit, <laughs> his oh, background, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, it, and it, but like he was even like walking with the same stride. I mean, it was uh, it was is pretty wild. The, is this the tambourine? One no, no, it was it was one like ten years ago. A while back, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's uh, but he's he's another guy that's like every word in, and he he's got so much intonation, you know, like uh, that his intonation is even like just the exact yeah. same every single time. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I want to head back to the mountain uh, because you said uh, that you did one hundred fifty ski runs. Oh last yeah, month. What what was that about? Do you have a death uh, wish? What is? What is? <laughs> it really wasn't. You know, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I uh, I rode my bike a lot this summer, so my legs were in good shape, even though I was like fatter than I've ever been because of because <laughs> of we're COVID. All, we're all a little larger than we were a year uh, ago, dude. Dude, I got. I'm getting. I got thickness. I saw my butt in the mirror, and I'm like, "Hun, you got to take some notes. You got to get one of these." <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is kind of in now i guess <laughs> yeah i'm like wow i don't know what do i need you for <laughs> i'll just grab my own butt uh <laughs> this is wiggly uh so so my legs are in good shape <laughs> and i was I wanted to, I don't know, I've always wanted to like, uh, like just have a kind of a fitness goal, but around skiing, because, you know, I try to make goals around working out and I'll stick with it for a week. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I, if you know, going to the gym for me was part of my routine. And I, that is the one thing I have really, I'm just like, I can't just, I can't justify going back to the gym. That yeah. to me, I would, I'm get I'm, I'll get on a plane before I go to a gym at this they point. People, your fellow gym goers weren't being careful before there was right, right. you know what i mean like yeah, i'm planet fitness you don't have to tell me man <laughs> that's, just, <laughs> that's that's where homeless people go to shower dude <laughs> I, was, I was worried about getting tinnitus now i have to run a disclaimer <laughs> this program these are the opinions of the guest and not the host of the show <laughs> man dude oh. i have definitely seen people uh <laughs> who are uh, they were training to overtake the rich in Planet Fitness. Planet Fitness sometimes looks like one of those Al Qaeda training videos. <laughs> How so? Just dudes with like long beards, but they're like it's a different kind of long beard. It's like a full yeah. white beard yeah. and like a weird mustache and like maybe a dog with a handkerchief. That's like it's a, it's a service dog. Like we... no, it's not. You just came in from the corner. When when are we turning the corner on the long beards? It's I don't know, man. That I don't know what it went from. Uh, you know, like a manageable thing to like a yeah. duck dynasty. Yes. You know, I can't work around conveyor systems anymore because I might went, rip my face off. It went from barbershop quartet to that to duck <laughs> dynasty. What is happening? Yeah. And these it, are well, young people. These people don't understand uh, that they're never going to look prettier 
than they are right yeah. now. And there, there are no photos to prove that they were ever good looking. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> it's, it is wild, man. I mean, to see people who are like, man, like I dude, I know, I know this dude that, uh, so it's Starbucks. You can, uh, you can get like a cup. I don't know if they still do this promotion, but if you get a cup, you can like between like, I don't know, like one and four, you can get like a mocha refill for like a buck or whatever. Uh, or you can get, uh, if you get, you, or you can get their drip coffee for free. If you bring in your cup from earlier in the day, I know this dude that is, he's a, he's a successful contractor. This guy owns his own business, runs his own jobs, crazy, wild, burly beer walks into a Starbucks. He's like, I got this earlier today. And they're like, yeah, right. You pulled it out of the garbage can. Get out of here. And <laughs> he got so mad. He's like, you guys are infringing on my diet. You're, you're profiling me. Da, 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 da. And I think they eventually filled it, but he was telling the story and we're like, I don't know. Like we would have probably, we, like I can imagine being one of those Starbucks people. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was before, it's, though, that uh, they, they changed a lot of policies to where, like, they don't kick people out anymore. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it is weird, though, because that was a thing. Uh, we all have that bias in us, you know, and I, it, like in Seattle, I used to joke like it was tough to tell like a billionaire from a homeless person because oh, yeah. people would dress very casual, which I love. Uh, but, you know, if you bumped into them. And they were talking to you. You might freak. You, there was no way you would guess they were like the CEO of their company or something. Oh you know yeah, what I mean, so. Oh, uh, one time I was at I was at a party, and it was an orthopedic surgeon and, and a bunch of surgeons from like the hospital that Gray's Anatomy is at. They were all there. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. drinking and listening to music and having a good time. And they, they rented a, a duplex, like a lower unit in a duplex. And they're like, yeah, I think our landlord's going to come out around here pretty soon. He's just, he was working and uh, had to go take a nap or whatever. And so at about 10 o'clock at night, this dude comes down like outside and then knocks on the door. It's a guy, he's got a Beavis and Butthead shirt, like a crappy mismanaged beard, shirt everywhere, a, a hole near his, like you can see like some of his nipple hairs sticking out of it. <clears throat> Areola. And, Areola <laughs> and uh, Areola and sweats. That's your DJ name. Hey, what's up? It's Areola, Areola, <laughs> and the Goober coming at you. Yeah. Oh, what is that? Dan Halen? No, that's Van Halen. <laughs> so anyway, and Belly Lint. <laughs> so this dude comes what? in, and I'm like, "Are you the landlord?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Where did you? Where'd you come from? Did you just napping?" He's like, "No, I came from work. I'm a project manager at Microsoft." And uh, he's like, "You know, he's, he's like, you know, on the map where you see the trees, like, ah, that was me, you know, whatever." And I'm thinking about moving to Paris with Google next year, but I don't know if they're going to meet my offer. I'm like, this guy. <laughs> I know. I've met people when I lived over there. I, I I feel there was a couple times where I met people that could have. Uh, changed my trajectory, but I just, uh, I didn't give them the time of day. Like you'd meet them at a party. Like, and you're just like, you're full of crap. That's, you know, right. like, how can I get away from you as fast as possible? <laughs> yeah. And yet that guy selling, uh, you know, like, like lotion at the mall is dressed up in a suit. So that's right. where I, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you can't make any judgments, man. You go I to just... Macy's to buy like in the men's <laughs> department, you know, and you're like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the right, I, I'm not in this guy's league. This guy checking me out, like he's, you know, he's got way more class than I do. What is happening? You know, you, there is like an intimidation to that, but yeah, it's sort of like, it's a mall store. Why am I, you know, why am I intimidated dude, by this dude with the cologne and the suit? <laughs> the first uh, gig I ever did, because when I started doing comedy, I, I was like, 
man, these all these other starting comics like dress like garbage. They just they just look like trash. You know, they're going on stage with like ripped jeans and their hair is all messed up. And I was like, I'm going to be I'm going to be like an old school guy. I'm going to dress up for my gigs. So the first feature gig I had, I wore like tight uh, dress pants, nice shoes, a vest with like a dress shirt. I did my hair really nice and I show up and it was a now defunct honky tonk bar in Hayden, Idaho. And (laughs) (laughs) just let that sit there for a second. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and that the the, the guy who was the headliner, I had never not seen him in a suit. He was a really, really old guy. Uh, he'd been doing his, like he, he'd been on the Merv Griffin show. Like he, he really, yeah, he shows up. And he's wearing like a sweatshirt and jeans. And I've, I get, I've never seen this guy like not in cologne, yeah. full on three piece suit. And I was like, is he going to change? And he's telling me about like how good the meal is here and all this. And he's not changing. The MC shows up who had a lot more experience than me. And he looks at me and he's like, Oh, you messed up. You, you, they're going to hate you. And, uh, man, I showed up and they basically, uh, I don't know. Uh, this is a podcast, but I don't know if I can say this. You can say anyway, you want. Okay. Okay. So this gig was basically just me getting called a faggot for about twenty five minutes oh, by all these. North- <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, these guys. No, you didn't. You, I, you're, you're saying. I mean, somebody called you that. So yeah. 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 No. And I was, <laughs> dude. It was so wild. One, one you're woman. You're saying they lo- use that kind of language at a honky tonk. Uh, can you club? believe such a thing? <laughs> Can you? This was 2014. <laughs> I, and so these, uh, what well, was fun, at one point, this woman was like, You got a little bit in you, you got a little bit of whatever in you. She said, I'm not, I don't want to say it again. No, no, <laughs> she, no we get it, we get it. So she's like, you got a little bit in you. And I was like, well, I had a big one in me earlier, but your boyfriend <laughs> said not to say anything. And, uh, and once I said that, the gig started turning a little bit and it went okay. But I was like, that oh. was... I was thinking yeah. you got a black eye after that, but it actually no, no, they, no, because I mean the reality, dude. People, <laughs> if they're there to be, you know watch com, I mean watch yeah. comedy as long as you're not like an extreme jerk. I mean that was a fun comeback, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I don't know. I mean th- there are probably psychos out. There. I've known people, especially dur- actually during the Trump era. I've known more people that got punched or had threats of violence just because they were made and a lot of times for like silly jokes, you know, Cheeto references back to the, the look, the, the, the dress. Um, I could tell you, cause I just heard a conversation about this too. I could tell you who is probably the best defined has the best defined look of a female comic, uh, but I'm not sure who the guy would be, you know, and you used to have who? Rodney Dangerfield with his tie, right? Oh, you know, that's a th- And you got Jerry Seinfeld. Who's like a jeans and a suit jacket, tennis shoes, uh, well, now he's dressing up like his last special. I think he, I don't know if he wore sneakers for that, but like Natasha Leggero for female comics. Yeah. Yeah. She's, you know, shabby chic or glamorous. Like she's, her character is kind of a snob. Right. right? Kind of right. And she, dre- she overdresses for the, she dresses like she's going to the uh, symphony, not to tell <laughs> jokes in front of a crowd, you know? And I think that's smart because like her brand, she's gotten acting roles similar to that character that she does on stage. Well, it feels like the, the idea was that you could always get away with more if you look really nice. You know, uh, I will say John Mulaney always looks really sharp. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's always, but I, but I, know I, I work about sharp. I mean, I think it's a persona thing, you know, for sure. Yeah, because 300 guys in suits is just as uh, generic as 300 guys that look like they didn't shower 
this morning and for uh, sure yeah still wearing yesterday's clothes yeah i don't know who the like the rising comic is that or how do you even feel about that the about like of, uh of, of, of finding your persona and sticking with that kind of look well i mean like that's standing you out. Know, there is a so the idea of doing stand-up is like you, it's just you and the crowd and the 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 sort of old school like jokes are really if that's not who you are, you know, if you're trying to do a Rodney Dangerfield type act, that's that's sort of hard to get away with. So now it's so much about being like just as genuine as possible and like selling who you are. Yeah. But then, you know, along with that mm -hmm. comes like, well, who who am I? <laughs> like, right, like, exactly. And it's a tough like, thing, dude. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough. It's, it sounds stupid, but that's really tough to figure out. And I don't think a lot of people uh, know. I mean, honestly, if they're asked, like, what is my brand? They right. don't whittle it down far enough. Right. And that's the hard thing about that was a hard thing for me, you know, doing the dry bar because I didn't want to necessarily be a dry bar comic because they are so associated with being like squeaky clean, family friendly comedy. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, if I if I get to do whatever I want, I mean, um, you know, I'm definitely like saying some some pretty messed up stuff on stage, <laughs> uh, like, like sort of like uh you know, wildly, uh, intellectually chaotic type ideas. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, so yeah, I think there has to be a really nice marriage between like how you look, what you're saying, and even, even the way that you use your voice, you, you know, like it all kind of has to coalesce into, uh, into something, you know, uh, the, you know, there's like, a can't think of this guy. I think his name's Joe list, but he's kind of a small guy with like glasses. If he came yeah, out with a, like, Bill, name. I, I can, yeah, I can hear you know him. who he is. Yeah. yeah. So if he came out with like Bill Burr energy. People would be like, this doesn't make sense at all. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. So it's, um, it, it really just, it, 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 there is kind of a honing your persona on stage, but ultimately, you know, like <laughs> that process, some people, they got they're they're there right away. You right. know, if you're, if you're the hayseed from Kentucky, and you wearing overalls, and you're like, yeah. man, I feel weird out well, here. Like that's other, who you so are. So that would be. Uh, I'm not into that. Like his stuff, and nothing against him, I guess. But uh, cable guy, Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's but, like that's well, that's a well defined uh, persona right there. Right, but that and that, you know, what's funny is like that's that, but that yeah, that's kind of not him. But it is a genuine character. Like his real name is like like my last name. It's like his a name Polish is last Lawrence name. Lawrence Everside the <laughs> Third. I would love that if he ever came out like, well, I did. I came up with Larry the Cable Guy due to the proletariats <laughs> of the American like South. A, <laughs> would you like a spot of tea? <laughs> right. uh, no, he has. He doesn't have a Southern accent in real really? life. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that. He used to be like a like a like, hey, what's up, everybody? You know, type of comic in the 80s. Lord, yeah. ah, man, I can't think of his real name, but uh yeah, there's like it's pretty hard to find the clips too. Um, but then he came out with this. <laughs> if if pretty... you if you try to share those, the Clintons will have you killed. I don't know why, but <laughs> but he he, he uh, you know he he defines well. It's sort of like a Rodney Dangerfield. You know, Rodney Dangerfield had an act and then uh, got off the road, ran a club for like ten years, and Buddy honed in these one-liners yeah. that were just killer and uh, delivered it in that that way. That sort of. You know, I probably came from the fact that there was kind of a that the I don't get any respect thing came from the fact that he was trying to be a comic. He was a real comic. The industry never wanted anything to do with him for for years. I mean, he was like 56 when he got his first spot, I think, or when he yeah. first started getting breaks. So, there's so that chance. whole like, 
<laughs> Dude, yeah, whenever people are like, hey, man, do you want to do this? And it's like bad deal. I'm like, listen, man, I'm 40. Like, I'm like, I'm like, that's a bad deal. And they're like, no, well, are you sure you don't want it? I'm like, no, 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 I still want it. It's just you should know it's a bad deal. Like, I'm going to take it. What else am I going to do? I'm 40. I'm never going to be like, I live in Spokane. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to be cast in some kind of sitcom. I don't even think sitcoms exist anymore. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, I'm like, dude, I. I'm like, I have nothing going on for me. Just give me your crappy, unfair to the artist gig. It's all unfair. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it matters what level you're at. Well, Tom Cruise has gotten more than his share, but you know what I mean? I, yeah, it, there's yeah. a lot of that in any kind of well, creative field. Before uh, before COVID hit, I was just starting. I I think half my dates, that, that they all went away now, but half of them were just things I was producing on my own. Uh, just go to like a venue and I just work out a door deal or, uh, or a rent or I rent out a small performing arts, uh, studio or like a small theater or whatever. Um, yeah. so that's, to me, that's just the way to go because then you're not, you're just, you're, you're truly your own boss. I mean, everyone says, Oh, you're stand up here. You can be your own boss, but you really, you know, you still have, you still have the, the club owners and the bookers and, and all these people that you're really catering to. But that's smart because the, pers the, the audience doesn't know, you know, how it's put together. So for sure you get your yeah. name on the outside of a theater that's like a nice night out for somebody like they're like it's and you it makes you seem like maybe a bigger deal than you think you are oh yeah and i and i'm not doing and i'm doing small theaters too usually um yeah, you know I saw, I saw stephen wright in a small theater i mean stephen wright's fantastic you know been doing it forever yeah. and he's i bet he's charging more per ticket yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does pretty well i think yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but i mean like small like like 300 or under like i i usually like he like he i think stephen wright does like the being in spokane so that's like six to seven hundred but like, yeah, if I can find venues that are like 200, that's a great wheelhouse because I can usually market it on. Uh, yeah, I used to be able to do all my marketing on Facebook. But now with the 2020 election, I think Facebook's become so toxic. I'm like, man, are people still even really using it the way they used to? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I'm going to promote a, a I got a gig in Wisconsin in about two weeks. And I'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'll promote that. And uh, yeah. um but you know, no, it's not like anybody's coming out because they're like, oh, they reckon, you know, nobody's like, hey, that's the guy from Drybar, and uh, yeah, well, that's why you need, that's why you need promos and you know, like radio and stuff if you can afford it. Uh, that's right. one thing I would say to anybody, like any comics listening, and I've had a lot on here, but I've also been behind the the scenes at the radio station when someone's coming to town. <laughs> the club wants, you know, they've paid for a sixty second spot, and there is nothing out there on this person <laughs> and they should be first of all not even on their own website if they even have yeah, a yeah. website and like if they're if you're if you're touring my advice to anyone like that like you need to get some recording you don't have to like post the whole special out there or whatever, but you need to like get a nice clean recording of your act and have that ready to go as a press kit to to the the club that you're headed to so they can get that to the stations and promote you properly you know yeah no it's I, any comic that's like should i make a website yet i'm like do you have a fairly professional video of yourself because the reality is if you have a website that should be the that should be on the landing page <laughs> like that should be yeah. right there somebody can watch your clip and then if they like you they 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 hire you i mean i i was doing a lot of corporate gigs right away so like that that idea was already in my mind but uh you know people want to have like a place for i don't know people to go see their dates and it's like it's right. like 
how popular do you think you are? Like, it's so funny when people are doing comedy and then they're really starting to get like gigs. There is a lot of excitement there, but it's like sometimes it's almost like I always think of it as like the, you know, like a new vampire in all those movies are like the new vampires are the most hungry. Like, like, that's <laughs> I wasn't kind of, aware, but uh, yeah, that's no, kind of the way I look at like new comics because they're like, oh, I'm closing out this open mic and then I'm closing out this open mic and I'm MC and they'll have like all those kind of gigs listed and they're all within like a 10 square miles of each other. And it's like, you don't need to start a website for that, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, there's not people that are like, oh, you finally feel this need. <laughs> Your next gig uh, is in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's in two weeks. Is that is that the same you know cluster of clubs that that Spokane Comedy Tacoma or is yep. this a different? Okay, cool. No, nope, it's the same. It's uh, all part of the. I don't know. What you they're in a, like a Bark Entertainment Network, yeah, so they got. Right. Yeah, so they got uh, Oklahoma City. Appleton and that's that Skyline Comedy Club has actually been around for like 25 years or more but uh but they bought it about I don't want to say three years ago and then yeah. they got Spokane and Tacoma so well and I hope that I, we just got to get through this whole trial mm. that we're in but like I was so happy for them because that family because they start with Tacoma uh come to Spokane so I'm like they've got a burgeoning comedy empire if oh, for sure ever allowed to gather <laughs> <again> without dying so yeah. how are things in Wisconsin? Do you know? Have you played there in the last year? Well, they're about 180 person capacity this long. I think they're doing 50%. That's a nice thing about not selling tickets is uh, <laughs> I won't have to worry about capacity issues. <laughs> so that's a nice thing about being a nobody. If I, yeah. If I, I mean, dude, if I, if I can get, uh, I think they're at 50% capacity. I, you know, it's so, I, I drove from, uh, when this whole thing first started, I drove from uh, Spokane to Missouri to go visit my my brother in law who had just had a baby. Like they had a baby in a, like in April, so everything shuts down. Everyone's like, is, "Are we? Do we all have it? Like, is this you know? Is this the? Is yeah. this you know like a disaster movie?" Um, and no, you know the information was all over the place. So we were like, "We got to go help them with this baby." We drove, and it was like a tour of the American covid restrictions you know it was like this weird version of like oh wow montana's doing it this way wyoming they don't care at all <laughs> like like if you wore a mask in wyoming in uh wherever it was april or may people were like oh look at this weirdo you know like they couldn't believe it and uh and i will say it's it's funny i think montana i think montana is has been is like the best COVID restrictions because they they you're you're you, they try to make everything safe and they're trying to keep things open at a very minimal capacity, but like they're not going overboard. You know, it's like it was like Washington. It was like we got to shut everything down and these people's businesses are struggling. And then Idaho is like free for all <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and it, so. <laughs> Again, it's, not uh, the opinions of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Although dude, I saw it, plenty of advertisements on my television telling me to come to Coeur d'Alene, come to Idaho. <laughs> oh, I, man, it's funny. Nothing's well, when, changed. <laughs> and uh, you go to water park in Idaho, man. <laughs> like it's wild, dude. Yeah, like water parks were already. I mean, I guess maybe if you were a water park person before, you already were battling E. coli. E. coli. So, like, what's one more thing, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah i went to i mean when i oregon it was good too but oregon um 
you know, you think of Eastern Washington and Western Washington as being like two different, very, very culturally, very two different men. Oregon is like Portland. And then the rest of the state is just, that is like two different worlds when you're in Portland. And then when you're in like Bend, Oregon or whatever, well, it is uh, probably like Seattle versus the rest of Washington. Yeah. But I, it's even, it feels even more uh, pronounced there. Like, uh, and a lot of, a lot again, that it's almost like that whole I five corridor. And then you go over to Ellen, you know, you go across Ellensburg and you're like, and it's just a different, it's just a different world, man. I got to let you get out of here. I do want to play uh, one of your sketches here. It's the West versus the East. And this is uh, among the many sketches that you post to social. Man, it was so much better out here in the nineties. Like everywhere you looked, it was all like just grunge, man. I remember in the nineties, that's when it was awesome to live here. Everywhere you look, it was just like a farm. Mm. I think the probiotics in this kombucha have really sort of helped the enzymes in my gut. Mm. This loogied up Snapple makes me shit good. I feel bad about eating eggs, but if I'm going to, I'm gonna get free range. Once you have eggs right from a chicken's butt, you will never go back. You gotta, you gotta wash the shit off. Hey, I'm gonna get tickets to Beyonce. Hey, Jeff Dunham is coming to town. Okay, kids, there's a junkie over there. Did you wear your needle shoes today? We don't want any more pokes. Oh man, there's a junkie over there. That's my junior high girlfriend. Hey, Carol! Carol! Oh my god, that guy has a gun. Guys, move, move, move. Go, 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 go. Oh my god, that guy has a gun. That's the Glock I want for my birthday. I'm gonna get my name engraved in it. I'm gonna shoot it to the sky. Are you kidding me right now? Just listen to another podcast, I guess. Are you kidding me right now? This is ridiculous. I don't know any of these people. Where did they all come from? This is why I live here. I live here to drive. I want to drive. Move, 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 move. Pretty dang accurate. <laughs> I don't know any of those people. That's the thing I loved about living in a small town. When, <laughs> dude, when people leave a small town, they're like, who are these people? I've never met these people. Like that's how easy. That's why conspiracies can flow so easily because they're like, I don't know who voted for him. I mean, I don't know anyone who voted. You know, it's like, like the world is more than just this three hundred and seventy-five person town. Dude. I've been, uh, yeah. I used to laugh at my dad would talk about how bad traffic was getting in Spokane, and it would just make yeah, right. me laugh. Uh, I think it is worse than it. I mean, there's certain streets like Division, sure. and it, like being parked. When you're supposed to be going, never going to feel good. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, 200 cars or a thousand cars. Like, you know, it just sucks to be stuck in that kind of traffic. But if it becomes jam. part of your daily lifestyle, yeah. that's when you really, but uh, the Se- of, Seattle's been. But a sick part of me, you know, would be like, I mean, you do, you got to like, you're not going to change it. So you're like, hey, I get to listen to that audio book now. <laughs> like, I'll finally yeah, finish right. that podcast today. Because that's the only way you can deal with your situation. Well, I've always thought the people in Western Washington that had the sweetest deal was people live in uh, like Bremerton who take the ferry over and then they're yeah. like working right in downtown Seattle. Yeah, because I was like walk that. or bike or something yeah. to the ferry. Yeah. 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 And you just chill in that ferry for 40 minutes and read a book or listen to a pot or whatever, you know, do yeah. one of those puzzles that are just endlessly never done on the ferry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought I always thought that was the way to live in Seattle because Bremerton's still pretty, you know, or at least was cheap a couple years ago. But it's it's way cheaper than living in Seattle. But like you, your commute is way way better than um, yeah. you know somebody who lives in like Bellevue or Redmond or something like that. Yeah, I made the mistake of 
Well, 25 miles uh, from my job doesn't, that's not that far. That's oh, yeah, dude, 25 that's minutes. <laughs> Two hours nope. later. You're like, <laughs> yeah, every day. Yeah, it's horrible. Okay, where can people find you, Phil? Uh, uh, yeah, Philip Kopsinski on Instagram and uh, TikTok is where I really post the most stuff now just because it's the most fun. And uh, you can find me on Facebook or you can listen to my podcast on any streaming uh, you know, service. It's called Dangerous Loner with Philip Kopsinski <laughs> everywhere. Oh, Dangerous so. Loner. Okay, I get it. At first, I thought yeah. it was L O A N E R, and I thought that's funny, but no, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like you're in some dangerous no. rent a car. I don't know what. That's so bizarre that my mind went there instead of the obvious <laughs> place. But. No, dangerous loner, mainly because uh, my acting agency, that seems to be what my look is. <laughs> Those are all the roles I get. <laughs> Dang. We'll, just, we'll discuss that next time. That's awesome. Yeah, sounds good, man. Yeah. It's good talking to you, Dan. Hope you stay safe well, and maybe we'll see each other in real life soon. Take it easy. Cheers. I hope so. Bye. There you go. Philip Kobzinski. And thanks again to Dry Bar Comedy for letting us use that uh, concert clip. It was a nice conversation. Covered a lot of ground there. You must be exhausted. Usually, I only give you like 15-minute chunks of an interview at a time. Bless your heart for hanging in there. Or if you're like me, you still listen to it in like a 15 or 20 minute chunk and then you get back to it the next day. It's all good, however you want to do it. When I last chatted with you on January 27th, uh, I had just received the news that my mom had tested positive for COVID-19. And truthfully, that sent me into a funk. It really did. Well, let's be honest. COVID-19 itself, like the, the pandemic, lockdown, shutdown, quarantine year that we had, along with the fact that none of us could get on the same page in regards to COVID, along with the election and then the riots at the Capitol, losing my job, and then my mom testing positive for COVID. That was like, I guess that was the last straw. I guess that was the straw that finally sent me. I was handling everything pretty well. And then I just went into a funk. I don't have any new news, but this might actually be the case of no news is good news which sounds so weird, but it's hard getting any information out of the nursing homes. But as far as I know, my mom tested positive for COVID, has been in isolation, which sucks. It's bad enough that she's in there. But as far as I know, she hasn't developed any uh, sickness, any real symptoms. So I don't know what that means. If that means that she would be asymptomatic, perhaps? Could have been a false positive? I don't know. I don't think so because she's still under lockdown, as it were. But if you took the time to uh, think about her for me, thank you so much for that. Keep doing that. Cross your fingers. Cross your toes. But I think uh, it might be okay. hope I'm not jinxing everything by talking about it again in a more positive fashion. But as far as I know, status quo. And I hope everything's good with you and yours. The vaccine is becoming more widely distributed. Uh, I still haven't got mine yet. Not qualified yet. They're hitting all the old-timers first. But soon... Because I ain't no spring chicken. But I'll be able to get mine very soon, and uh, hopefully you get yours as well. And soon we'll all be going out to comedy clubs and movie theaters and concerts, live music, baseball games, all of that stuff again. And from what I hear, that's going to be like August-ish, but hopefully sooner than that. I always like the under-promise, over-deliver concept, so hopefully that's kind of what they're doing to us right now. As opposed to, in 15 days, this won't even be a thing anymore. And now it's, you know, we're working on a year and a quarter. All right, I've got a lot of people lining up to be on the podcast. Not all of them comedians. I love talking to the comics, but I love talking to people. 
So we'll see what happens next week. I'm not quite sure uh, who I'm having on next week or I'd tell you right now. It'll be fun. And I'll catch you next Monday. So, so long. Have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind to others. You've been listening to The Daily Detour, a production of Basic Bits, LLC, hosted by Dan Roberts. Music by Quickie. And I'm your announcer, Libet Wolf. New episodes drop Monday through Friday. Subscribe now so you never miss a moment. And we'll chat with you next time. Say, don't give a damn what they say. Just lost my life.